welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 21st of August 2011, entitled Finding Contentment in All Circumstances, and the Bible readings are taken from Philippians chapter 4 verses 1 to 13 and Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 to 34. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to open your Bibles this evening for our scripture reading to a very familiar passage to us. Two places, really, if you'd like to turn, first of all, to Matthew chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse 19 there in just a moment. But first of all, from Philippians chapter 4, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, beginning in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul, writing to the church of Philippi, says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eudeus and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful. You can say anxious there. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Father, we thank you this evening for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Thank you for this time that you have allowed us together. Lord, now as we take these next moments to look into your word, Father, we pray that you would meet with us. By your power, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, you do know each one here this evening. You knew who would be here before you laid this message upon our hearts. Lord, I pray that by the power of your spirit and through your word, that you would speak to the hearts and meet the needs of each one. For it's in Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated, and as you take your seats, if you'd like to look back to Matthew chapter 6, before coming back to Philippians again, I'd like to read another familiar passage to you. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves 
treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and Tomorrow is cast into the oven. Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We find that we think of those words, wow. We think of the promise and the reminder there of God meeting our every need and everything that we need, and yet we might ask ourselves, you know, what are our needs? Um, so many times, I <laughs> share with you before, if you've had children, it's amazing how at such a young age they can learn to come up and they can look at you with those big eyes and, I need this or I need that. It may be some toy, maybe something that they've, seen in the shop somewhere, or maybe something that they've seen one of their friends with. But boy, in, the, in their mind, they need that thing. I find that sometimes if we were to ask ourselves, what, what are our genuine needs? How would we answer that today? I mean, the list could be long health and home and money and food and clothing and education and all of these things. What I'm saying is, According to what we've just read, if it is a need and we have the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that need is met. No question about it. Either our needs are met totally 
and completely, or God has lied to us, which we know He cannot do. But if all of our needs are met, Jesus tells us very simply here that they are in the passage that we just read. But yet, we live in a day when I can honestly say that I believe that one of the curses of all that we've been blessed with is that it's not those as we look around the world. And we can travel to other continents and we can travel where that we know that people have real, genuine needs day to day just to survive, but we've been blessed so much that probably one of the things that is really missing in Christians' life is actually being contented with what they have. We find that we think. We think that we have so many things in our lives, so many needs that have not been fulfilled. Well, I believe that much of the answer lies right here in this simple verse that the Apostle Paul shared, and there's many things, and we may look at some more of these later, but I really want to take our thought this evening from chapter 4, verse 11 of Philippians. Paul said, not that I speak in respect of want. In other words, he's speaking to people here, God's people, that had taken care of him, that had been there to meet his needs when he had them. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have, what's the next word in your Bible? I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That's a pretty awesome statement. Whatever state that I'm in, whatever the circumstances are, whether they're the best they've ever been or whether they're the worst that I've ever seen, he says, I have learned to be content. That's our thought, if you would, this evening, just looking at a couple things, finding contentment in all circumstances. You see, if I may see this, say this, is that we have been blessed so much that if we're honest with ourselves, though we may not like to see these things in ourselves, we've become very selfish. We've become very greedy in the flesh, in the West in our society where we have been blessed with so much, even as Christians, we find it almost impossible to really be content with what we have. There's always something more that we want, something more that we feel that we need, something more that we feel it is so important that we have that to really be fulfilled in our lives. Why is it that we can look to parts of the world where they have next to nothing, and yet they can be so content and so happy with so little, and yet we, we don't really know that contentment. And I'm saying as Christians, we need to find that contentment. We need to find that contentment whatever the state, whatever our situation is, whatever those circumstances are. We need to be able to be content. You see, Christians need to be able to find contentment whatever the circumstances are. We need to be able to know that, and that's what the Apostle Paul said, I have learned. 
I have learned how to be content. Well, I'm saying from your pastor right back to all of us, I think we all need to learn how to be content as Christians in whatever state, in whatever the circumstances that we might be in. I believe that we owe that to God because he has blessed us so greatly. He has given us so much. I believe that it would make any father, any mother, any parent, anywhere, if he gave to his children the things that he knew that they needed, and yet all they were doing was being sad, grumbling, complaining because of something that they didn't have, something that thought when they knew that they've given to them, and yet so many times God must look down and think, how ungrateful you are. Do you really realize how blessed you are? The Bible is saying that whatever our circumstances, wherever that we might be in this world, whatever we may have or not have, do we believe God or don't we? Is he really going to meet our needs? And are we really content with what he has given us? Or do we find ourselves being ungrateful, always wanting something more? I believe we owe it to God to be content. I believe that for ourselves, we owe it to ourselves. If we're ever going to really know happiness, if we're ever really going to be able to know the joy and the peace that we have read about that is possible for us as Christians here, and you know what? I believe we owe it to each other. We owe it to those around us. We read in some of these about that light coming into the body. We know in the Bible that the Bible tells us that we are the light of this world. The simple truth is, is that many others are looking upon us. I can promise you this. You're not going to shine very bright if you're not content. If you're not satisfied, if you're not happy with where you are, if you're grumbling and complaining and always thinking about what you need and what you want and what you don't have, you're not going to be a very bright light to the others around us, the world, all around us in their sin. They have a reason to be discouraged. They have a reason to despair. And I'm saying this evening that I honestly believe I was... I was reading something that was challenging me this past week, which was a message by the great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon. As I was re- reading that in, in my own devotional time, you know, he was, he was speaking of, of why that we, well, him, way back before the turn of even 1900, in the late 1800s, when he was speaking to his church in London, he was wondering why he is a preacher and why their church was not more effective in reaching the lost. What can I say today? We scratch our heads and we look back to what they were doing in London in those days, and we say, well, why are we not being as effective as they were? And yet they were concerned because they weren't being effective enough. And you know what he really went back to in a lot of different ways? It went back to the fact that they didn't have what the first church had, their contentment, their happiness their unity, their love one for another, their love for the Lord, their zeal for the Lord. He goes through all these things that the simple truth is, is, you know, and I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about the man that made no bones. 
You know, he, 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 he pushed strongly the sovereignty of the Lord. And he said, you know, but too many are taking excuses. The reason we're not being more effective is just because that's God's will. But he points out very strongly that the reason they weren't being so effective had to be in part because they'd lost so much. And where are we now in comparison to that? And I'm saying, you know, we can look at all the religious programs and all the church programs and all the, the things that we want to I'm saying at least one area in our lives. I don't believe that we can ever really hope to be effective to the world around us unless we learn to be content in whatsoever state, in whatever circumstance that we find ourselves in because we believe God. We really believe that. I want to give you just a few things this evening because I believe that in finding contentment, First of all, it's going to require some courage. It's going to require some courage. Now, let me give you just a few verses, first of all, that hopefully will show you why that this contentment is so important. I skipped over all that. And let me just give you a couple of these verses. First of all, we find that if we look back into or over into 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, notice what he said there. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. <laughs> For all of us, the Bible says that it's great gain. Now, writing to the church at Corinth back in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, and in verse 8, the Word of God says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, that's the plural there, that's each and every one of you, always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. We find that in writing to the Hebrews, in Hebrew chapter 13, Notice what he says there in verse 5. He says, let your conversation be without covetousness. What's that covetousness? Wanting more of what somebody else has got, right? You've got this, but you see somebody else that's got a nicer one. And instead of being satisfied and content with what you have, you want one as nice as theirs instead. He says, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I'm saying we could look at other verses, but the Bible is full of instances that makes it very clear that it is very important for Christians to find contentment, whatever their circumstances might be, if they're truly going to be able to serve the Lord in the way that we would hope to do so. Now, I made the statement that to find contentment is going to require some courage. He said there in verse 13 of our reading, I can do all things. Through Christ, which what? Which strengtheneth me. Do we believe that? Do we have the courage 
that no matter what is coming against us, no matter what it takes, that we, through him, will have the strength to be able to stand. In Acts chapter 28 and in verse 15, he says, And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Api, Forum, and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. You know, courage is something that we all need. And courage is something that we can help each other with. I believe that if we're going to be content, it's going to take some courage. First of all, folks, to stand up for our convictions. So many times it's easier, and I can just promise you this. If God has shown you, and this is why that I've preached so many times over and over and over and over, you know, it's vital, it's important that your convictions are based upon the Word of God, not just what Pastor Larry says, not what any other preacher says, not what anybody else has written in a book, but what God has said. You know it because God said it, because if it's just come from man, Probably are. Somebody else somewhere along the line could put up a good enough argument to be able to get you to change your mind because it only came from man. But if it's a conviction in your heart because God has shown you, I want to tell you this, you will never, ever, ever be content. Whatever, whatever money you may have, whatever your financial state might be, whatever things that you might have in this world, if God has shown you something in your heart that you're not willing to stand on, that it's just so much easier to just let it ride, to take a back seat and not to press it. You see, this is why we've been looking for, I don't know, the last year and a half or however long that we've been on contending for the faith, the fundamentals of that faith. There are things, there are convictions that we ought to have from God's Word that we cannot we cannot, under any circumstances, give on those things. I've got some preferences. We as a church have some preferences. And those things are fine. But I'm saying, you're going to find contentment today. We live in a world when it's a hard thing to find. We live in a world where very few people are honestly, genuinely content with what they've got. As Christians, we need to find that contentment. We need to learn just like the Apostle Paul did here. And if we're going to find that contentment, it's going to require some courage to be able to stand for our convictions, to be able to bear those sorrows of life and realize that it's going to be tough sometimes. There are going to be difficult days. There are going to be challenges. It's not going to be a bed of roses. We've got to have the courage. We've already read he's promised Never, never. How long is that? Never leave you. Doesn't matter where you are, whatever your stance is, whatever your circumstances are, his promise was that he would never, ever leave you. That he would never forsake you. He has promised you strength, not just for next week and next. He's promised you strength We've seen in these verses for today, where you are right now, what you're facing right at this moment. He's promised that he'll give you that strength. The words need not and should not be, I just can't 
stand it anymore. But by God's grace and with God's help, with God's strength, I will go on. You see, our courage, our courage to go on, our courage to go in the, in the face of everything and every obstacle against us, our courage to stand and our courage to keep moving comes because of his promises, not because we can do it, because he's promised to be there every step of the way and to be our strength and to carry us through. He's promised that. Courage. Courage sometimes makes some sacrifices. <laughs> That's something we're not taught a lot about in, in life these days. Sacrifices. Because that's not what most of our world thinks like. I'm telling you, folks, we read through the Scriptures, we see those that were making such a difference for the Lord. Sometimes they had to sacrifice everything to follow Jesus. I don't believe that God's going to leave you as a pauper. That's what we're talking about. He's going to meet your needs. But the problem is when you're trying to meet all your needs, when all those things are more important to you, he said to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. He would add all those things unto you that you need. But we get so focused in life. I'm saying we've got to have the courage to depend upon him, to stand up for him, to move forward no matter what, to keep going even when it seems that there's nowhere to go and there's no way out. And sometimes the courage to say, well, you know, I'd really like to have that, but I'm willing. Lord, I'm willing. I'll get my eyes off that because if I'm honest, <laughs> that's not really a need in my life. It might be things. It might be time. It might be anything in your life. I'm saying if you're really, really content, you're really focused upon the need, it's going to take some courage sometimes, some courage to push some things aside that your flesh is going to be crying out for. I mean, it's going to be desperate for. We find that for too many today, the greatest sacrifice they can make is they go to church on Sunday. Boy, what a sacrifice. When we see so many around that don't even have a church to go to, we find that, boy, I mean, you know, sacrifice once on a Sunday, but twice like we have today. Oh, dear. What do people expect of us anyway? I mean, what time am I supposed to have for myself? Wednesday evening? Oh, I'm so tired when I get in. What are they going to want of me next? I have to miss this, miss that. You see, we got to keep in mind, number one, none of those things make you more saved. But, you know, as a church, as a body, as a unified body, just like a chain, we're only as strong as our weakest link. The devil's going to try to get those weakest links. You know, it doesn't make you a better Christian. But I'm just saying, you know, it's amazing in our world, in our society, because we have been blessed so much and we have so much freedom and we have so many things, what we think of as sacrifices so many times. Whew. Well, that's tough. I don't know if I can do that or not, preacher. 
That's awfully hard. I find it amazing that so many think that, boy, <laughs> we have so many things going on. Oh, I can't make it. I, I wouldn't have time to eat. <laughs> Skip a meal to go to church? <laughs> Who could do that? <laughs> What's this world coming to? But that's our thinking. I don't say that to be mean. I'm trying to be honest with myself and, 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 and with you. Sacrifices, our money, our tithes, our offerings, to give to missions. I already give them my 10%. Why do they want me to give more on top of that? You know, I'm saying we, we need to quit kidding ourselves. I'm, I believe, as honest as honest can be. When I look at us tonight, and I can say it to all those that should be here tonight that aren't, folks, most of us don't really know what sacrifice is. We're so uncontented with what we have. And I'm saying, if we are ever going to find contentment, as we find here in the Scriptures, it's going to require some courage some courage to step out in some areas that maybe you haven't before, some, some areas where you need to trust God, where you let God have His way, where you really believe Him and trust Him that He will do exactly what He says that He'll do. If we don't have the courage in some of these small areas when we lived in, in such a blessed time and place, how can we ever? Learn to be content with what we've got. Finding contentment will require courage, but going right along with that, finding contentment is going to require some confidence. You know, that's, that's to go without saying. Simple truth is, is that you know, you're going to have to believe some things. If we'd read on just a bit further in, in Philippians chapter 4, we would have come upon another verse there in verse 19, which says this, but my God shall supply all your need according to, not the world economy, we get nervous because, you know, banks are losing it, the biggest corporations out there are going bust, countries are looking like they might go bust, all these things. I say in the face of that, but my God, shall supply all your need, not according to what happens with the economies of this world, but according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Through the Lord Jesus Christ this evening, God's word says he will supply all those needs. He's already tried to get, us, get our attention off of in the first place according to his riches in glory. And he's going to do it by Christ Jesus. The same way anything else worthwhile in your life will come. I'm not saying you ought to be lazy and not trying not to make the most of everything, but I'm saying if it's good, it's going to come by Jesus Christ. If it's lasting, it's going to come by Jesus Christ. It's not going to come by way of the world. You see, finding contentment, it'll require some confidence, some confidence in God. Some confidence in God. What did Jesus tell us back there in Matthew chapter 6? He said, man, would you please quit worrying? 
Would you please quit letting these things worry you? He says, you know, well, which one of you to all your worrying in the world ever added any stature? One, one, one fraction of a millimeter to your height. <laughs> it doesn't accomplish anything. He's saying, trust God. Really? It's easy to say that. I'm a Christian. I trust God. I've got faith in him. I believe all this. But we sure don't live it so many times. I'm talking about, folks, we need to find contentment in all the circumstances instead of being the uncontented people that we are. He's promised. Do we believe that he really will? Now, the only confidence that we have that matters is our confidence in Him. Yes, confidence in ourselves, but not in a self-sufficiency, but the courage that we're talking about to be able to, to do what God wants us to do. I made a note that when missionary Robert Morrison was leaving for China, he was asked this question, do you expect to make an impression on the great Chinese empire? I mean, one little old you? Do you know how many million people are out there? Do you really think you're going to make a difference? You know what his answer was? No. But I expect God will. <laughs> no. I can't. But I expect God will. You see, the confidence I'm talking about it's not a self-confidence in what you can do, but a confidence in what God can do through you. God wants to use you. God will use you. It don't matter if you don't have as much education as the other person, if you're not as smart, if you don't have as much money, if you don't have the same pedigree. It doesn't matter. God's promised. And God's good for his promise. And you're his child if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if you're going to be content... It's not only going to take some courage, but it's going to take some confidence. Confidence in God and confidence in that God through his promises, what God can do through you, what God will do through you. He hasn't called you to be anybody else. God can and will accomplish things through you that you can't even begin to imagine because he's God and he's promised that he will. You know what? Doesn't hurt to have a little bit of confidence in others as well. <laughs> yep, there's a lot of crooked people in this world. I mean, they're so crooked sometimes you can't see which way they're going. There's a lot of hypocrites out there. You get people, boy, you know, they're, they're putting up such a good front, and then the next day, you know, whoa, you know. What happened? But can I tell you this? Give each other the benefit of the doubt. There's other people that actually love God as much as you do. And they're just as sincere. They may have their stumbles and their faults and their weaknesses like you, but try to help them. Don't kick them down just because they messed up. We got to keep lifting each other. We got to keep realizing. Yeah. But by the grace of God, there go I. Only by God's grace that you haven't failed, that I haven't failed. We could fall. I hope you don't. I hope I don't. 
but it's only because of my confidence in God. The only confidence I can have in me is because I know that God will use me. In spite of what I don't have, in spite of what I am, he'll use me because I belong to him. And I've got other brothers and sisters in Christ that he'll use others that are genuine. And you see, that kind of ties in because, folks, if we're going to find contentment, we need to find a little courage. We need to find a little confidence. I don't want to give you this one this evening. We need to find a little cooperation with each other. You see, again, here in the passage that we read this evening, he said there in verse 3, he said, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fella. <laughs> well, they were yoked together. True yoke fella. Help these women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Simple truth is, is that none of us are going to accomplish as much as the Lone Ranger, as we will as a united body together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, the Bible says, For we are laborers together with God. We are laborers together. We're working together in this with God. He's the one that's there with us. Ye are God's husbandry, Ye are God's building, he says. See, so many times, because of our attitudes, so many times, people want a church all for themselves. Just what they want, just the way they want it. And you know, gospel being preached, good sound teaching, preaching, good music, but just the way that they want it. Well, that church may be one person or one family forever and ever. But the Bible teaches us as a church body that we come together as one, as we all come together, and we're all united together, and we're all bound together as individuals, as families, we come together to work as one because we have a common faith. You know, we're all so very different, aren't we, in so many ways. You don't have to say it out loud, but be honest. Shake your head inside, not outside. If you look around even this congregation tonight, somebody here has irritated you before, haven't they? You've got aggravated with somebody here tonight. You didn't like the way they looked at you. You didn't like what they said. You didn't like what they did. Now you can all raise. How many of you have the pastor? You got irritated at me before <laughs> because of something I said or did. You know, that's in our nature, isn't it? And guess what? We've all got things to rub people wrong. We've all got differences. But the truth is, you know, we learn to love like God loves. You know, instead of Letting those differences drive us apart. Simple truth is we love each other because we've got a common faith. 
We've got a common set of beliefs, and man, are we imperfect. And the truth is, is that we're never going to do, there's not one of us, two of us, I should say, there's not two of us that will ever totally, 100%, completely agree on everything that the preacher says and the way he does it. You've always got a better idea somewhere in there. We all do. Hey, I got better ideas than me sometimes. <laughs> you should hear some of the arguments I have with myself. <laughs> but the truth is, the Bible's teaching us that, you know, if we're going to find contentment, these are just a few things, folks. It's going to take some courage. It's going to require some confidence, really believing that God will do it, that God will do it through you, and that God will do it through the others. It's going to take some cooperation together, one body working together as one unit because that's the way that God designed it, not us. I want to give you this final thing because this one really just kind of brings it down to me. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 5 says, And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? It's going to require some courage, some confidence, some cooperation, but for each and every one of us, it's going to require some consecration. You see, only those who can truly consecrate themselves to the Lord, can find true contentment and happiness and power and, and all these things because you know what? Number one, if, you, if you're not saved tonight, which I hope and pray all of you are, and, and my belief is that all of you are, somebody may listen to this somewhere else sometime and not be, though. You know, without Christ, none of this is possible. But the fact is, this evening, as a child of God, if we know, how was it the Bible puts it, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. Sin. We can feel pretty proud of ourselves sometimes because, you know, we don't go out there and do those things we used to do. Thank God. Boy, I'm so glad that I don't do the things that I used to do. I'm saying this evening, and does God really have us? Are we really consecrated to Him? Does He have us lock, stock, and barrel? Because, you see, if we know, if we know that we ought to be doing something or not doing something, we're not doing it. We know there's an area of our life that God doesn't really have. We know we haven't really given it over to Him. You're never going to really be content and happy because you're going to be divided. You know, all these things are important, but always it starts with me. You know, I got all kinds of things, but, you know, the very least I can do is make sure that I'm right with God. I'll have some other things to straighten out tomorrow and the next day and next week and on and on. But if we're going to be content in an uncontented society where the vast majority of Christians have lost what it means to truly be content, I believe it's going to require some consecration. I could go over there. You wouldn't want to hear it. But I could play at something 
that probably wouldn't really resemble music a whole lot on the piano. And, you know, I could play with two fingers. And I do know where the others go, but I just don't know what to do with them. Or, you know, so many times, have you ever seen somebody that types with two fingers? Sometimes they can get pretty good at it, can't they? Sometimes you could, you know, get those two fingers going on the piano pretty good, but I can promise you this. You'll never be able to play it to its fullest possibility until you get all of them on there. You can play at it with two fingers. You can work at it with two fingers. But until you really, really make the commitment, it's never, ever going to be at the potential to what it could be. So many of us in our Christian life, we're playing with two fingers and we're working with two fingers. We just need to commit ourselves. God needs all of us. John Ruskin said this. He said, anything which makes religion its second object makes religion no object. In other words, what he's talking about is to offer God second place in your life to anything else is to offer God no place at all. We find that so many ways in the Scripture. And you know, God will put up with a lot of things, but a divided heart isn't one of them. And you know, that's precisely what he had to say to the church that we read about in Revelations. You're neither hot nor cold. That you're lukewarm. And he says that being lukewarm caused him to spew, pardon me, vomit, and out of his mouth. God can't put up with a divided life, a divided heart. God wants you consecrated to him. Let him have you. Trust him with all those other things in your life, whatever they are. Be content with whatever you have. Be content that we've got more than most of the world out there, and yet we're still wanting more. Be content. Trust God. Give him all that you are. I believe that one of the greatest needs in our lives is just to genuinely be thankful. (laughs) To genuinely be thankful for what we do have, to be content with whatever our state is, with whatever the circumstances are, to be truly thankful for what we already have that most of the world doesn't, to be more in love with the Lord and less in love with the world. I know. I know. It's around us all the time, and, and, and it gets into us. But I'm saying, you know, if we're going to find this contentment, we're going to have to love him more than we do the other things because the other things are going to come between us. That's my desire this evening as your pastor. You know, I want to see a smile on your face, and I know. I know if, if, if there's not something that goes wrong in your life this week, I mean, you got seven days before we're back here next week, 
If something doesn't go wrong, I'm going to begin to wonder if you're even human or not. <laughs> you know, things are going to happen. Some days it's going to be easier to be content. Some days it's going to take some courage because it don't look that easy on the surface. It's going to take some confidence, confidence in him and that you're his and that what he'll do through you and your brothers and sisters in Christ around you. It's going to take some cooperation, love one another, accept one another, warts and all. Everybody can't be as beautiful as you, but you can keep on loving them, praise God. You can be content. Be content because, hey, God's got me. He's really got me, all of me, and he'll help me. You know, all those things that I've been worrying about, well, if he's got me, truly, and he's first, my love for him, my service for him, that comes first. He's promised. Unless you're going to call him a liar, he's promised to meet all those needs. He's promised that if you'll put him first, if you'll seek him first, if you'll seek heavenly things, if you'll seek righteous things, he has promised that he'll take care of all those other things. Try him. Prove him. He'll do it. The world can look at us and say, what in the world are they smiling about? <laughs> what have they got to smile about? We've got so much to smile about, so much to be happy about, so much to be content with. We get rid of that cancer of selfishness and greediness that's all around us that's made its way into all of our lives. Put him first and trust him. Father, I thank you this evening. Lord, certainly is looking at this passage, a familiar passage, but Lord, you reminded me, and I hope that maybe you spoke just a bit of what you spoke to me to these here tonight. Lord, that we need to find contentment. We need to be contented, Lord. Help us not to be a grumbling, selfish, greedy, discontented people because of wanting this and wanting that and wanting the other, wanting things our way and wanting more than somebody else. Help us to be content. Whatever the circumstances, wherever we might find ourselves, realizing that what we have in you is worth it all. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.